Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, I am bringing back the old gang, Namali Pereira and Jason Lang. And Jason and Namali and I have been working together, plowing the fields of Integral for over 17 years together in different incarnations. Jason Lang is a filmmaker. He facilitates authentic relating workshops. He leads men's work, and he hosts his own podcast, Do the Evolution. And Namali Pereira offers her own beautiful brand of integral coaching through her website, Practical Integral. Today's episode is a conversation that was spurred by an email that Jason sent to me (laughs) about a quandary he was having about how the world's turning. And I'll read a couple paragraphs. He says, developmentally, I'm super confused and more and more alarmed with each passing week of the weird convergence I'm seeing of spiritual friends going hard right, Trump, and even QAnon. What am I missing that routes from green to the insanity of Trump land? The closest I've gotten is what Ken pointed out in Boomeritis, Ken Wilber's book, Boomeritis, how green post-modernity flattens and deconstructs all of the hierarchies, previous hierarchies, leaving a huge space for spiritual narcissism and pathological red. And then he brings up the term conspirituality, which is the unholy marriage of spirituality in sort of our green brand of that with conspiracy theories. And both Namali and Jason, who are very plugged in to the social media world and so forth, unlike me, both have pretty alarming reports from the front. So here's my conversation with Namali Pereira and Jason Lang. Thanks for joining us. So yeah, for me, um, I started feeling like something different, let's just say, is going on um, early in the pandemic, right? For one, uh, just seeing the rate of misinformation spread was like wild because nobody knew anything. Uh, You know, there was still so many questions, but the conspiracy theories, man, were just flying through my timelines. Bill Gates is going to microchip everybody with these invisible ink tattoos, which is part of the new world order. The other big one was, yeah, 5G cell phone towers are impact people's immune system. And that's actually what's causing coronavirus. And this stuff just spread like super fast through, um, through my networks. And I was noticing and, and then, yeah, you know, it was created in a Chinese lab and it's all intentional. It's a false flag operation. That's a big one we hear about now, you know, this is an intentionally planted thing. And it was just like mind blowing to me to a see how fast people were gripped by that B how fast, how unprepared social media is to deal with it. Period. Really? Un, totally and, and, and you're talking about the integral scene. These are people you know to be in. Yeah, this. I mean, not the, it's know, not just the fringe world. No, what I would say is I started it, seeing it filter into particularly, you know, maybe not entirely just integral, but the wellness space is what I would call it. People mm-hmm. I know in like yoga, new age, meditation, like it was really hitting strong there. And then I feel like it crystallized when um, Mickey Willis released the the trailer for Plandemic, which I don't know if you saw saw that, but that hit. I've never heard of it. It was an interview with this doctor who claimed, uh, you know, she had all the conspiracy background on how vaccinations are like a, totally known to damage people's immune system and all this stuff. And that coronavirus was part of that to create a new, you know, a thing to force people to get vaccinated, basically. But his video spread so fast. And because there's no real systems of control in the social networks, they just had to start banning it. And then the more it got banned, the more attention it got. That, oh, clearly there is some kind of conspiracy or cabal trying to prevent this information from coming up, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of reinforced a lot of people's beliefs in, in my mind. And it was around then that, you know, what really kind of sparked this for me um, in just seeing this was uh, I saw the first article was the first time I ever heard the term conspirituality, which was the meeting of conspiracy worlds and spirituality. 
And it was like, when I saw that, I, it just, things started to click into place of like, wow, there really is something interesting here where I'm starting to see some convergence between, you know, what I would kind of call more fringe or conspiracy, a um, some definitely far right wing belief, and then the kind of wellness space, what I would consider, you know, our bolder kind of hippie, green, San Francisco, yoga, meditation um, thing. And I just saw a lot of the people in that space start moving towards um, the coronavirus as a hoax kind of thing. It's all overblown. Wow. All, all government is corrupt. And some big teachers even, you know, have started to, to speak into that space as well, which has been interesting. And that was when it like really started to hit me of like, wow, something is happening here. And I developmentally, I don't fully understand it. So that was part of like what I wanted to get into um, today of like, what are some of the overlaps or what might be going on from, you know, from our integral lens, uh, particularly in spiral dynamics. And just one thing, um, that article I originally read turns out that guy had based it off of an actual research paper that came out in 2012 by a researcher out of the UK and another person who will get the information for, but they were talking, they were the first ones to name conspirituality. And mm -hmm. they were the ones that, to my best case so far, that seemed to be bringing some sense to it for me. And that was, um, they named that uh, most conspiracy theories tend to have three underlying structures or beliefs attached to them. In what they've witnessed is A, nothing happens by accident, B, nothing is as it seems, and C, everything is connected. And they were like, and guess where else that tends to show up? The wellness, kind of more green, new age spiritual space, which I would say is kind of more the law of attraction. We create our reality, everything is connected, you know, it's all happening perfectly, and there's this an illusion we all have to wake up from. And that was the first time I ever saw those two worlds like connect in a way that um, I'm finding super fascinating right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I see it mixed all mixed in all over the place. Uh, I've just been sort of astonished myself in the last few weeks. And it's funny, I'm sort of coming at the same thing from a different direction. It's just some of the crazy shit people in the integral world, my integral world, believe. And I actually don't know whether they're right or wrong in, in a certain way. I mean, I have a certain, I want to bring a certain agnosticism to it. So I have the friends, you both know these people, who are rabidly anti-5G. They're convinced that it's just a, you know, pumping poison into the world. I know a couple who, there's one who, there's just no doubt in his mind that we have five years left before the world ends. I have several who believe in angels and devils. One insists that the earth, that is the physical planet, has been knocked off its rotational axes. And that's the cause of all of this because a shaman told her. She believes it. These people high in the integral world, some many have appeared on the Daily Evolver. A couple believe that George Bush brought down the World Trade Towers. One that we all know and love talks to his praying mantis friend. Right? And, and some of them even vote for Trump. I mean, it's the craziest shit in the world. <laughs> <And> totally. <laughs> you know. So I, I, I do have a, a certain, here's where uh, I sort of place it in an integral context as best I can to make sense of it, is that rationality just isn't enough. It just isn't. It's not an adequate worldview. You know, we've only had it for a couple hundred years and modernity is, you know, the rise of rationality. And modern life itself is, has an emptiness at the core that people want to fill. The idea of achieving and accumulating wealth and all of the stuff that is we're supposed to do and it's express ourselves in modernity, you know, there's something about the, the power of myth, of magic, and even just the hidden forces. You, you, when you talk, it's funny, Jason, you talk about those three principles. The world is not as it seems. Uh, there is a hidden order to things. 
I forget the third one, but they're all spiritual principles. They're not just new age spiritual principles. They're spiritual principles. I think they're spiritual principles because human beings are deeply wanting them. They, we want that part of the spiral filled out and because they're true, actually. The, that part, those parts of the spiral are true. There are hidden forces. The world is not as it seems. So, you know, it used to be easy. So we believed that Jesus was sent by God to be a human sacrifice for the redeemed humanity. And that was all good. We all had that. And that was fine. I lived there for several years as a nine to 12 year old. But now, you know, modernity and rationality has explained all of that away, except they haven't. You know, they have but it's not adequate. I think what we're doing is some new, partly holy, partly unholy mixture of new horseshit with rationality. I mean, I think when the chips uh, fall where they may, uh, you know, we tend to skew towards rationality. It's like we did, even with this pandemic, you know, we really did. If you think about what we did in however imperfectly and in some cases terribly, you know, we shut things down, we get the money to people, we, you know, the rationality is still there. But in a way, because we're so confident in it, we can do these, I don't know, flights of fancy. I don't know. I mean, I get a little lost here, so I'll stop talking. But what do you think? I have so much stuff on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so great having the integral frame because there's so much context we can set you know, one, one thing that does keep coming up. Cause so the other thing, you know, we're recording this in um, the third week of September and the social dilemma just hit um, Netflix a couple of weeks ago, which was this guy named Tristan Harris's documentary around kind of pointing out the shadow of social media and how we've, we're conducting in real time, this massive psychological experiment that there is no, there are no guidelines. There are no regulations. There's nothing over his job was to keep people on Google. So what, how is it we Good create job. user What's his interface? name again? <laughs> Tristan Harris. Good job, uh, Tristan. <laughs> was to figure out, right, how do you keep someone on the website so we can sell them more ads? And then he had an awakening where he's like, wow, this thing, this incentive structure is just running right now and it has second order consequences no one is thinking about. Um, and he's been ringing the bell on that in some pretty powerful ways showing uh, literally what's been happening um, with human rights abuses and what happens when dictators take control and how fast they can spread misinformation. Um, but really what it kind of comes on down to, I think is, um, you know, and I always remember from my time with Ken, that that was right when web 2.0 was starting, you know, when we were kind of working in the integral center and there was this idea of user generated content and we could all connect online was this super positive thing. Like, wow, this is gonna be amazing and allow everyone to have a voice. And I do remember one of his things that I couldn't quite agree with him on at the time because I was more on the, wow, no, this is amazing. Like, don't you see all this is? He's like, um, the danger in that is it's never gonna work because you actually still need editors. I remember it was just something very simple. He said something like that. You need editors to kind of filter and process that information. And I think that's part of what we're seeing from a systemic level is now everybody has a voice on social media. Um, and then we have these social media feeds that filter out worldviews that are not our own. So the, the, the like internal worldview of, you know, pluralism and green and postmodernism of there is no truth, but my truth to some extent, like, right. Like I can't, nobody's better or worse. Like there's an actual mechanism for it now in social media where your world is literally created just for you independently and what you're seeing doesn't match anyone else's. So, um, and then, you know, green's been doing its job, which is supposed to show and deconstruct and dismantle all the power structures from before it of like, Hey, look how there were winners and losers every step on this ladder. And, but then I think that gets collapsed into, you know, and I hear this all the time now, right? The both sides arism. Well, everybody's corrupt. All politicians are corrupt. All institutions are corrupt. There's just the whole thing's messed, um, which is like that flatland, you know, thing I'm, I'm seeing again. So I see that like on the systemic level. And then, you know, back at that personal level, you know, I've just had this feeling that I haven't read it in so long. <laughs> but uh, 
like boomeritis. You know, I remember Ken's book was about, from what I remember, it was mostly about, you know, the shadow of, uh, of postmodern being, you know, when you dismantle all hierarchy, it actually leaves a huge power vacuum. And then since there's no truth, there's no better or worse, it, it kind of creates this void that things can just rush into, which would be, you know, what I would argue is happening with Trump and kind of a red warrior, just this is the truth. I'm the strongest voice in the room. Yeah. And okay, wow, he's strong. That feels like real, you know, where it ties into the wellness, I think. And, and this is something I've had to observe in myself is the, the, the kind of spiritual narcissism that can be enacted in terms of, um, well, my intuition, my feeling, you know, I got to read my, I got a, a channel. So this is the truth. Right. And I see that a lot in the world space. And I think there's a lot of what Namali was talking about of how do you just dissect pre-trans there of, you know, what is a connection to source and what is just my narcissism being platformed. I'm going to self-disclose. I caught myself. I'm in the midst of an interesting inquiry on Facebook right now where I was like, okay, trying to remain open. I was asking conservative friends who support Trump, what values of goodness, truth, and beauty does he embody that you would wish for my daughter? This is like a real inquiry that, cause I'm like, I am not seeing them. I am not seeing them. Please illuminate me. Part of my experience of him is mediated, right? It is, I do get it through media feeds. I do see the clips. Um, but what I've always leaned back on is, well, I'm this guy that does all this circling. I lead all these men's groups. I've done deep work with guys, different versions of health of the masculine. My internal body sense says that developmentally, I feel like he's arrested in some ways and there is some narcissism there. Like I just, that would be my total projection on him. That feels very true to me, but that is me elevating <laughs> my internal intuition and uh, feeling sense to like my map of reality. So I kind of caught myself doing it. I did have a moment the other day that was like an interesting, like, holy crap, I can feel how destabilizing this is. It's like, what if I'm totally wrong? Yeah. What if I do have Trump derangement syndrome? Yep. And what if I actually have been totally wrong about who this human being is? And that was like very unsettling, <laughs> very unsettling to even yeah. feel that question come up. You know, ultimately, I don't think, you know, that's not actually what I believe, but it was enough to make me question my reality. And I was like, holy crap, if I'm a yeah. practitioner and I do all this stuff and I'm having a moment of questioning, like, what's true, what is it like for everyone else out there right now? Yeah. What's really powerful about what, um, Jason, you were just sharing about kind of suddenly catching yourself in the mirror, so to say, I just, just a little comment about that is, so we would hope that we can all experience that when we are noticing our own little person that we walk around with constantly, right? And suddenly we are, we're not subject. Um, we can look at it objectively. We can actually witness our own mental processes which is something that, at least developmentally speaking, I think we're capable of doing that postmodern and later. Concrete operational, pre-operational cannot do what you just described. And also, even in postmodernity, in some postmodern communities that at least Jeff, you and I are familiar with, for example, at Nairobi universities, often you would hear things like, get out of your head. And in some ways, what that is encouraging is you don't need to do that thing called critical thinking. You right. don't have to, you know, you don't have to think about these things. Just get into your heart, get into your soul, get into your body. And while all that is really good, what's happening now is what Jason has been talking about looks like all critical analysis, the ability for us to function in that way seems to be hijacked yeah. and, and it is really puzzling it's puzzling when people we know are doing this yeah and so then also then it's one then we can also wonder like am i crazy yeah right <laughs> am i yeah. well that's that? always the great thing is that you know when you see it in somebody you really want to turn it around on yourself that's just a good you know basic practice and so with with trump 
Um, and, and isn't he a mind blower? I mean, let's just pause for a moment and look at how this man has blown our minds. And there is something functional about having your mind blown and having a culture's mind blown. And Jason, I, like you, have had these sort of horrifying moments where I think, you know, well, maybe, I'm, you know, you were saying, maybe I'm totally wrong about this guy. I don't think I am. I think Trump's a bad guy, and I think I'm mostly right about him. But what if I'm 20% wrong about him? What if I'm 40% wrong about him? That starts to get scary in a way that feels like uh, good mind-blowing. You know, it feels like there's a rush of energy that comes in when I at least open the door to that. And I think a lot of people have experienced that. Jason, are you experiencing, you talk about the wellness world. So these are the yoga people. These are the people, you know, this is, we're talking this whole thing. They're for Trump too, some of them? Totally. Oh, um, no. It's not so much they're for him, they're for the impact he's having on the system. Mm -hmm. That he is disruptive, that, um, you know, he is shaking things loose and trying things differently. Um, but I, I think there is... You know, and this is where, like, so I'm no expert on this. And this is, right, this feels like one of the most hot button topics that goes straight to the core of reactivity and activating people's nervous systems, I feel like, in the West here. And that's vaccinations, right? And that's one where I do kind of see and can see an overlap of more right thinking of, like, stay out of my business, you know, my agency, you don't have the right to regulate me uh, or authority. You know, of course, there's the contradiction of abortion and a women's right to choose at that. But then you ca I can also see that in the wellness space that become, right, there, there's this like, no, my immune system is holy and, 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 and sacred. So don't, you can't bring that medical institution, all that Western stuff onto me, right? This is my sacred space that I don't, want you in and i can see how that needle is starting to connect um between those two mm -hmm. communities a little bit mm -hmm. and there's you know <laughs> what i like to say what the the core of that um that i've been <laughs> saying for a long time is just in my mind the essence of america is just fuck you don't tell me what to do it's just like <laughs> that is the like that is just woven into i feel like our dna of so many people that left other places because they were being persecuted or they didn't have a certain level of agency or they were like, there's gotta be something better than this. And we just have generations of that DNA. Yeah, like, and the ones who were able to make it here. Totally. Know? I mean, what, what, psych, what sliver <laughs> of psychographic is that? Yeah. You're and one then, of them, Bali, by the way. Yeah. You know, you, and then the results. You found your way here from Sri Lanka in you know, 20 years ago and uh, you know, that puts you in a pretty uh, special category. And that is part of the DNA of this country. Totally. Would you that. say so, Namali? I don't mean to, to characterize you. I hear what Jason is saying about, uh, well, what you're both saying about this country's DNAs don't tell me what to do. Um, I, th I have been just stunned, actually, to discover during this pandemic what I've now come to just see as America is just batshit crazy. That's how it feels like. You know, I mean, I was thinking about Sri Lanka. It's a, it's a small island of 23 million people that could have been decimated by a virus like this. They, so in a 23 million person island, they've ended up with something like 16 deaths and about a thousand cases. Wow. You know? Why? It's because they jumped into action like boom. And they, uh, you know, they had curfews, things like that. You know, it's like you have to stay in place. Now, usually I wildly and readily complain about a sort of an authoritarian leadership and a corrupt leadership in many of the countries that, um, you know, America complains about its own leadership and politics, but then I always think, yeah, try living in some other country, you know, really. 
go somewhere else and live there, not just as a visitor, as a kind of a yogi doing, you know, with your yoga mat, but live there and, and really join the society and you'll see what politics are. So when the pandemic hit, the fact that America's DNA of don't tell me what to do has created this never-ending disaster that is just going on and on and on and getting worse, I think, I'm unable to wrap my head around that. That when it comes to science and biology, that this is a society that would say, don't tell me what to do. Like I create my own reality, um, which again, or it's God creates my reality. So again, it's that is so like a, a confusion of traditional and postmodern. They both do that. They have a weird way of, you know, yes. doing that. So the same thing. So it's really interesting pre-trans there, but Around the pandemic, I think even more than the, yes, the conspiracy theories, yes, but also who I would think are evolved people not wanting to wear the mask. Uh, it's, it's rampant. And that's really true. I mean, you're seeing that online or you're seeing that? I know people. 100%. I know really? people. So I have, I have a, a, a coaching client and there is this certain exercise that I do with them. It's, I'm not going to explain the exercise, but there's a certain question that I ask around perspectives, like who are some people that you really admire? And when I asked this question, this woman said, I really uh, love Stephen Colbert and John Stewart. They're my heroes. And about 10 minutes later, with some other questions, she says, you know, yeah, you know, it's really hard because I'm stuck inside my apartment these days because I don't like being told what to do. And so I don't want to have to wear a mask because of that. I'm just not going out. Um, so at least she's choosing to stay home. But at the same time, her rationale for staying at home was because here's a very, very progressive thinker, but didn't want to be told what to do. Really? I, this but, is so confusing to me. Yeah. As, a, as a, I'm a citizen here now, but it has taken me 20 years of living here to actually feel that DNA that, that you guys are speaking about. And I'm really just stunned by the power of it and how destabilizing it actually mm -hmm. is and how harmful um, mm -hmm. it can be. Mm -hmm that you can't take the perspective of setting something aside for a bit to be more compassionate and critical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ethical. Mm -hmm. That you don't have the, the mechanism, apparently, to separate these things. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know if I make any sense. Oh, I think so. Uh, could I just uh, observe that... Um, so taking into account mechanisms and so forth, is it, I, I would argue that it's not necessarily what people in countries like Sri Lanka are doing either. It's just that they have a more communal society, they're more traditional level, and they're actually more obedient. They listen to authorities in ways that America doesn't. Americans yeah. don't. That's yeah. also somewhat developmental. And also just even the, the you know, you think of Taiwan and these countries, it, it, it's just more of a communal thing than Americans, it, often for better, sometimes for better, but in this case, for worse. That's one of the things that has infuriated me about uh, another, you know, touchstone point is the Sweden experiment mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, Sweden basically just letting it run its course and not doing lockdowns. And then everyone saying, hey, Sweden did it, we could do it here, which to me totally ignores all the quadrants. The experience of being a Swedish person in Sweden is going to be totally different because they do have an orientation towards um, collective well-being, I would argue, through, you know, a healthcare system and just through a certain type of caring about the collective from what I understand and what I've talked to people from Sweden around that you can't export that part. That's the part that you can't export that just drives me nuts when people say, well, it worked in Sweden, so we could do it here. And I'm like, no, you can't do it here. People don't, that's not part of our culture here. You know, this was another thing that I found really interesting about 
the, the kind of merging particularly of like of green and wellness and the sacredness of the um, our immune system of like well that's one way to deal with the anxiety of not having a healthcare system you can rely on so like if 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 you get sick in the US there's no relaxing into and I will be taken care of right so like that was the first time I ever saw that of like wow so we've built this huge mechanism in commerce and belief system around if I am just in touch with my body and live in harmony with nature, I will have an immune system that's good and I won't get sick. Right. That's one way to control your world. Right. right? If you build that whole belief structure around that, I can feel that anxiety in my body now, you know, of like, wow, like what would it be like if it was just like, I never worried about, you know, healthcare bills or things that I've had to worry about this year, you know, in particular, and I'm very anxious about this fall. Like what if that all goes away? Um, what does that mean for, you know, me and my family, just seeing these systems, you know, in all the quadrants play out and how they just feed each other is just, yeah, it's mind blowing to me. And then, you know, because there's no editors anymore, the other thing I just see is, well, do your research, do your research is the thing, the pushback you often get from people and what research has become is Google. Right. So, and my pushback has started to be on some people. If, if your research only involves a computer, it's not research. Real research involves talking to other human beings, like in physically going places, you know, something that I think the good parts of real journalism still do sit down, you talk to someone, you interview them, you interview multiple people, you cross check their things, but that's like all gone. And what's the one thing we've had in the pandemic? an abundance of free time in front of our computers with all this cognitive surplus and nothing to do and a lot of anxiety. So how do we feel like we can control? I'm going to go on and research how this is a hoax. And then I get into YouTube and then, right. It, I, I could see how it does something. And then there's a collective feeling of, Oh, now I'm in the Facebook group that's talking about this conspiracy and I'm with them. We know this thing that other people don't. And now I'm part of a tribe again. Um, and I just, I, I don't see a way out is one thing that, you know, scares me of like, I, I do not, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't see any integral leaders stepping up. I'm just like, are we going to get through this? I, I genuinely don't know right mm. now. Like how bad is it going to have to get in terms of, you know, someone being able to sp come out and lead mm -hmm. us through just this chaos of, of truth. Yeah. Anyway, obviously there's, there's yeah. so many facets to this. I could just ramble for hours. That's fascinating. You know, especially around vaccinations and, you know, parents who don't want to vaccinate their kids. And that's been going on forever. That's not just a pandemic thing, right? And related to the pandemic, I also wonder, even if people do come up with a vaccination, half of America may not believe in vaccinations and they may not actually go for it because that would also be a hoax and Bill Gates is trying to kill them or whatever. So, but here's the other thing. So, especially when it comes to vaccinations, you can literally not choose not to vaccinate your child and you don't have the capacity to take the perspective that you could actually kill someone else's child. Some children have to be extremely careful and, and that certain parents can't, doesn't care about it. Mm -hmm is just mind-boggling to me. Mm -hmm. You will not hear that in Sri Lanka. So just coming back to Sri Lanka, yes, the fact that they could, they could instill a curfew and keep people inside. And somehow the truth of the matter is now they just had their Colombo Fashion Week inside buildings. People are going to restaurants. Life is coming back and they're super careful about all of that. So you might say that is doable because it's developmental and it's maybe more communal ethnocentric so they kind of band together to do this so then what does that say about america that is actually just showing such a lack of compassion not by everybody obviously but this the 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 the, the certain segment that we're talking about today yep. through anti-vaccination screw your stupid mask don't tell me what to do. And I promise you some of these people are in Jason and I both know some of these people. Yeah. You, you know. 
So that makes me wonder, what the heck does development have to do ultimately, and what value is development even if, if, or rather, or maybe the question is, is America mostly red? And there's so much egocentrism here and so much don't tell me what to do. So that's just scary. And people just construct their own reality and they live inside of it. So developmentally, that's really curious to me about asking this question culturally. Just to finish, I just feel like maybe Sri Lanka is of a higher order, (laughs) that they care for each other in some ways. They don't always, but when a global pandemic hit, they banded together, they put science first, and they listened to leadership. Yeah. Yeah, well, I... um... Just on the on the vaccinations, here's the argument that I hear from anti-vaxxers that I think needs to be added to the integral understanding of vaccinations. And, you know, just to use basic integral theory, we actually at integral want to have an, an understanding of vaccinations that would include all these perspectives in a way. And one of them is, you know, when I was a kid, we got a polio vaccination, we got another vaccination, and we got another vaccination. Now there's vaccination after vaccination after vaccination. Are there too many vaccinations? That's a legitimate question. Uh, Do we want to take into account the money uh, that people make selling vaccinations and doctors get involved and that there's a, you know, there's a financial uh, benefit to that? Yes, we do. Uh, do we, uh, is the idea of follow the science as simple as that? No. Science is wrong often, and science has its own you know, blind spots. So I think that some of this is a healthy uh, integration of these perspectives into a new uh, complex and, and intelligent system, some of it. So I would argue that if there's any uh, response to that, share it. And otherwise, I want to move on to another. I know. I I totally agree with you. I think we definitely do need to take all perspectives for sure. And that makes me also just think, well, America's healthcare system is hijacked by business. I don't know if there's any other country where critical services of a nation are primarily a business. That's what it seems like. And so, yes, I think in in America, and I don't know whether it is as extreme in other places where, yes, I think we need to question science because many parts of science and policy regulations is driven by money. I think that's a key, totally super important part of it, of the deeper question of, do we want everything to be driven by a profit motive? Is that the best mechanism for all aspects of the economy or industry or health or wellness that I think is a, you know, a big lingering question for us that um, I don't see answers to. And there's a healthy skepticism, I I think is what Jeff named that I think is great. Like bring that on, Uh, slow things down, question these things. How, how fast do they happen? Why have they happened? What's the incentives behind them? I think is super reasonable, but then there's just the, well, they're all bad takes root so fast that it doesn't seem to leave any room for complexity. You know, I get it because I do think part of where we're at is like postmodernism is like really here at a technological <laughs> level level yes. and culturally so that, you know, that's one thing I've, I've felt hopeless on sometimes is like you can't lean back on science because I can find a scientific article that argues any side of any argument at this point. Right. So there's like a complexity there of like, well, what do I do? Because here's articles that show vaccinations are fine. Here's articles that show they're not. Here's articles that show masks are very effective. Here's articles that show they're not. So what are you left with? Right. Other than, well, my own intuition, my own value system. I think it can be very confusing. And, you know, an orientation I feel like we need to move towards is truth evolves. It gets better over time. So there's going to be science that's wrong, but that mostly a lot of it kind of trends towards yep. more true. the arc of justice in a way the arc of yeah. science you know over time it it does move the ball kind of works you know? yeah There's... well yeah here we are i mean it, living in the modern world uh to you know 
tripled the lifespan of most of humanity in history. But, but it's under a new assault because now everybody has a megaphone. And everybody totally. with any horseshit belief on the planet can get together and they have, they have a movement. You know, I would argue, Jason, a little bit, you know, that there's no editors. Uh, there are. They're just, everybody's an editor too. I mean, but, the, but again, what happens is there are, there's this editor and there's this editor. And which one do you see over time actually has the better results? And I actually like that system better than when we had the sort of center-left media oligopoly that was the, you know, arbiter of what was true and what wasn't. It's messier, but I do think, I, I think we're living through a complexity. Uh, our consciousness is struggling to keep up, but it will. It got stretched when they invented the printing press. It's getting yeah. stretched again now. What you just brought up, I think, is one of the fascinating integral questions I have, because like the idea of an editor, right? I map that onto spiritual traditions, the idea of like lineage and cross-checking. So studying with a teacher who theoretically has a greater depth than you, so they can witness you through the process, kind of call you when you're not right and help guide you along the way. Right, like to so then okay, you have your blessings to go out and transmit the Dharma. Now you've been kind of cross-checked by by your group. Is what I would argue is the healthy version of, of what's supposed to be happening there, you know. But we have so many examples of that being totally abused. But I think that's one of the things we're trying to figure out: is if everyone can be an editor and everybody's an expert, how do you assign authority to anyone around anything? Um, and who with, assigns authority? Yeah, and then who assigns it? Because that's, you know, right now robots are doing it. So I think one of the things we're totally having to navigate is, you know, depth and authority and like who who does have the right to be an editor and how do you trust someone? Um, and then does that just put you deeper in a filter bubble where you're, you only trust the people who already believe what you believe? And then we just keep going down these rabbit holes. That's where I'm like, I, I, I don't know what's next. Yeah. Uh, and what, what are we waiting for? And then the last thing, just tying back to Namali's thing of like, what good is development? You know, something I've been yearning for since the pandemic started, where is our healthy nationalism? My feeling of America right now is it's just like the house we built, but we just let the foundations rot of like those developmental levels underneath are just not in healthy places. So normally in a time of super stress where our culture was being like, you know, you revert hopefully you revert to like a healthy version of that that can help kind of get you through you know i've just been like shocked like why aren't we getting like come on america like let's actually be the best let's develop a test so efficient so cheap that we can give it to everyone in the world like let's be the best like let's rally americans let's do this not just for ourselves but for everyone it's just so missing and it, you know it's something well, now you're making me mad because and I'm very mad at Bill Gates because he's not running for president because that's what we need is somebody like that. Yeah, right. right. Like you know, who really can just lead practically, technically, you know, big picture. Uh, and with yeah. some like national unity though, of like yeah. I know it's a sensitive thing yeah. for some people, but what if we did have an American pride in that? hey, we exported something to the rest of the world to make life better. Yeah. And I just don't see anyone speaking that. So I'm like, all we have are these fractured worldviews. There's no one like speaking of like, hey, let's be Americans, you know, at least from my perspective. And that, that really just saddens me. And I'm like, oh, if we don't have that, and whoever the next leader is, I really feel like has to be able to bring that to- Do you to, feel like to, Biden's up to that? At, at times, yeah, I, I do. I do too. I think he could, you know, and I, I'm attracted to him right now. I actually think, you know, one of the things I've been posting online right now is, again, kind of in the one-on-one -on -one work I do, you know, I tend to find there's a direct thread between anger and anguish that oftentimes deep anger releases into a lot of anguish for people. I mean, my nervous system right now just feels like, wow, we are in for a wave of just tremendous anguish in this country. Oh. Yeah. of like sadness and grief and people dying and institutions falling and businesses collapsing. And that's something I experience him as actually having some well-earned 
capital in because of his life and just what he's experienced and what it means to grieve and what it means to be in that sad space of suffering that my hope would be, you know, might literally be what our country needs to, yeah. to kind of move through. I think you may have hit a nail in the head. That's sort of my number one reason to support Biden is he understands suffering, yeah. you know, in that way that is uh, needed right now. What do you think, Namali? You and I were talking about, you know, the, your experience of the integral, new integral right, right? In some ways, yeah. This right-wing emergence in integral, in the culture in general, but in, in integral. You know, we identified this get your hands off of me thing that Americans have. But there's also, uh, and this is what you and I were talking about, Namali, before Jason came on, this part of, I think, integral that is just terrified of mean green. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're for Trump because he is going to stand athwart the anti-racism, the multiculturalism, the all of the stuff, the Black Lives Matter, the defund the police, all of the stuff that uh, they are afraid of uh, from a left that is empowered. You know how you ask, like, what's up with Trump people? Right. And it's almost like a part of me is asking the same question of integral people. It's like, what's up with some of these integral people? Yeah who are voting for Trump and right. giving up the Democratic Party, saying that they're conservatives or Republicans now because they can't handle the madness of green. The other day you were asking me, you know, if I wanted to speak about privilege, it's almost like that's privilege. That's like a first world problem where if the only thing that really you're so mad about and upset about is the pathological green mean, you don't have to worry about the ways in which other stages would cancel you out by literally killing you um, or stealing everything you own. And, you know, yeah. um, I just find it puzzling why some integralists have absolutely no tolerance for mean green. And right. they're only complaining about mean green, but seems to be like... They can't stand MSNBC, but mm -hmm. does that mean that you're okay with all the madness of Fox News? Like, right. Ken Wilber wrote this book about Trump and the post-truth world. We've known the pathologies of green through Ken's teachings for decades now. Why are some integralists acting as though this, this is this new thing, as though they have just only now discovered it? Are you so upset with post-modernity that you are totally fine with pre-modernity? Because I sure don't hear you complaining about that. Right, right. The madness of pre-modernity that has really just taken over a huge part uh, of now, now, how would you how would you say that it's taken over, the madness of pre-modernity? Well, just kind of like, you know, the, the, the Trumpism. Trumpism is so pre-modern, concrete operational, like you spoke about, yeah, you yeah. know, in that other video. Yeah. Have, there is no appreciation for nuance or multiple perspective taking. They can't do that. So they're, they're, you know, unable to do that. And that's fine. But does that mean that then, so you're, you're happy with the pathologies of one side, but you just can't handle the pathologies of me and me <laughs> by you're leaving the, the Democrat Party because I can't deal with cancel culture and white fragility and all the and, kind of the trigger and, issues. Anti-racism. Political correctness. Yeah. Um, me too. Mm -hmm. You know, none of those, Black Lives Matter, none of these movements are perfect movements. And right. they are birthed out of, you know, Greens retaliation against pre-modernity yeah. and modernity yeah and modernity yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean they get to complain just as much as everybody else complained right you don't have to so then become a trump voter 
<laughs> well, you're free to, I guess. Um, you're free to. <laughs> you absolutely. You're. It's completely fine if one chooses to become a Republican, and you know, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm. What puzzles me is that's where, uh, sort of, where I'm kind of connecting with where Jason's coming from is. How is it that people that we think would be more developed only see the pathology of the one below them? So why not also share some of your anger towards what came before green, which is what is causing green to uh, really begging in some ways for some care and compassion? Um, And yes, that comes out really nasty sometimes, like we've always seen. We've known that. So that's really surprising to me where some integralists are actually so pissed off with Green that they're willing to vote for Trump, but yeah. have nothing. And, you're, and you're, you're seeing that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah really. I, think you just, I mean, you both are like, oh, yeah, it's like a lot, well, right? I think what you just spoke to is, um, for me, it's been one of the complexities of uh, like engaging with this thing called the intellectual dark web, mm-hmm. which is like closest thing I've seen in some ways to maybe like a new integral emergence of, you know, but there's this extreme allergy in my experience to green there. So the biggest fire to put out right now is cancel culture, is college campuses, is all like, that's what it's all about right now. That is the most important thing we have to do. So those people are actually, I've, you know, many of them have voiced like more open to Trump. and so there's a question of just like, what's the biggest, what fire do we have to put out first? You know, like, is it the, the political correctness authoritarianism or is it the guy actually sending troops down the street? You know, in, yeah. in my mind, it would be actually the guy who might actually send troops down the street. And then we can talk about college campuses. Um, exactly. But, the, but, but then, it, you know, it also kind of makes sense that, you know, in the dialectic of communal and agentic, like that move to second tier is going to be most kind of allergic to just what came right before it. And so there's also, it's like, actually, it's kind of normal. So I, but then it's just like, okay, do we just wait? What do we do? (laughs) (laughs) What's, what's the path forward? Yeah. Again, is is what I just keep falling into. Uh, Yeah. I really like how you put that though. Cause I do, that does really seem to be showing up and I have reactivity around it. It's something I notice every time someone, that's the thing they post about when there's all this awful shit happening. Yes. I've had to examine that in myself. Of like, okay, well, I guess I have different values, but to them, that is like the biggest crisis in the world. Is it the first lever we need to pull? Arguably, I don't, I don't think so. Um, should we be tracking it? Hundred percent. Do we need to yes. navigate a new way yeah. forward through? Yes. You know, are people allowed to make mistakes? Are they allowed to evolve? If you tweeted one thing once, does your whole career have to end? No, I don't think that's fair. But what's the mechanism to know? Has someone grown? Have they? come back to harmony in their lives or like we have to figure all that out as a, as a culture right now. Yeah. Um, so what do you see as the way forward? And maybe I'll start with, maybe I'll start with you, Damali. What do you think? Well, I mean, at least for what we just now talked about, if I think if integralists are so mad, for example, with MSNBC's failure, to talk about um, the madness of political correctness, which I do believe is crazy. I think mean green meme is crazy. You know? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and it's true that most of CNN or MSNBC, the sort of the progressive media, are sort of unaware of that or don't seem to really care. So that's not the way to go. And therefore, a lot of these um, Brett Weinsteins and the Jordan Petersons and Coleman Hughes and um, the list goes on. Really brilliant, sharp people. Thank goodness they're there and they're pointing out a lot of these issues that the integral community has been talking about for years. Um, they're actually much more effective in, in bringing that message to a large part of the mainstream that's finally starting to get it. But I think that when you start to intellectually critique the problems of Black Lives Matter, for example, um, that this is why Black Lives Matter is is wrong or it's not going to work or this is what's like the laughing and mocking at um, D'Angelo for writing about white fragility and you know, all the ways in which these highly evolved people are mocking and, and critiquing green. 
I wish you can bring that same amount of vociferous, outspoken critiquing also of what came before. I think that's what I want also. Yeah. Can, you, can you bring a more balanced perspective, perhaps? Um, and also polarities, polarity management. It's like everybody is somehow wanting the world to be better. Nobody's really just playing out trying to get you or destroy this planet. Um, but I just feel if you're so willing to post on Facebook or right in the middle of what just happened around George Floyd, for example, it was really a powerful cultural energy in this country. In the midst of that, for a really evolved person to come out and critique Black Lives Matter is just not very evolved in my perspective. It feels parsimonious, doesn't it? Yeah. It's stingy. Yeah. It's like you have to learn to validate the suffering of the other, even if it is really difficult to do that. Try to give the benefit of the doubt, even a little bit, to the other person's suffering and why they are vocal and crying out in this way, even if they are doing some things wrong. You know, Coleman Hughes, talking about pre-trans, Coleman Hughes gets quoted by plenty of uh, tr uh, Republican media because they actually think he's on their side. He's not. But because of the way he speaks about Black Lives Matter. So I think if you're critiquing some of these hot button topics from, from the anti-green perspective, anti-postmodernism perspective, I would say you need to then include also, for, for, for me to take your critique seriously, include in it the critique of what preceded the, the pathologies of green. Um, that, would, that would help me. And then also, I think to you know, the progressive craziness, I would also say, where is forgiveness in all of this? You know, to the me, the cancel culture and Me Too and all of that, um, even from Black Lives Matter, is there, a, is there a point at which we might be evolved enough to pause for a bit and really practice? How do we, don't we ever practice forgiveness anymore? Like, what happened to that? So that's, that's going both ways to me in this discussion, I think. Beautiful. Yeah. Jason, what do you think the way forward is? Uh, first off, I love that. That felt so, so right. Um, and I would actually be so more fervent in supporting some of those leaders if I just heard them <laughs> critiquing some of what, what came before, like you said. Um, what comes up for me is two things. One on like the personal level, I just, you know, this is kind of my thing of it's so much easier to comment and critique culture than it is to create it. And one of the things I feel like has been missing from us integralists is actually the creation of culture. How are we actually creating new mechanisms for relating of art of business? Like I know there's people doing it, but as someone pretty tuned in, I, st I still don't see a lot of it. I mostly see critiquing other things versus or here's everything that's wrong, which to me is more of a green space than, hey, here's something we could try that might be better. <laughs> might not work, but we could try it and figure out it as we go. And so for me that, you know, shows up in, um, you know, making it personal whenever possible, creating spaces, you know, I'm big on circling, I'm big on men's groups, I'm big on like getting people, you know, it's hard to do in the pandemic, but face to face to talk about these things and like, you know, drawing out people's values underneath. Like, okay, I, I don't agree with most Trump people. I don't agree with their, but like, it's a great inquiry for me to see like, what values do you see in him? And then, and then, okay, I can connect to, you see a president who is very courageous. That's, that was new for me, that like I had to open to that, that, okay, that's someone who wants to see a, a courageous president who will stand up to the, the crazy left, right? Like, okay, that, that's interesting. So just at a personal level, you know, us willing to engage in that sense and try to create spaces and culture that opens up some of these conversations. 
And then on the systemic level, I just really think until we move away from an attention-based economy online, we're just screwed. Like if what is driving everything right now is attention, there's less and less attention. That's where people make money more and more now until that mechanism has switched to something else. It's just going to keep grinding into these primal places of I'm right, you're wrong, uh, my tribe, your tribe, you know, I'm a practitioner and I go on Facebook and like my nervous system goes crazy. Like it goes, I really have to watch that and like schedule it and, you know, be with it. Um, And that's like, and I feel out armed. Like I feel, I feel like I've shown up with like a little spoon and there's like this army of social media, like aimed at me in my nervous system. And that's where I do think, you know, we're on the verge, hopefully of something waking up. That's like, nobody designed the system with any in- intention other than how can we sell as many ads as we can? Mm-hmm. It's really, that's the whole thing. And you sell a lot of ads by causing reactivity and getting people triggered and then they go online and they wouldn't do their thing. But what would it be to create a system that was like, actually, um, and this is this guy, Tristan was talking about that, like a system that its job was to surface overlap of where you do believe the same thing. What, what if we created a whole mechanism for relating online that its job was to find out where you agreed? Like how would that just shake out everything we're talking about? That's a space I think we just have to really drive home right now. And uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, definitely check out the social dilemma and the Center for Humane Technology because I just think that's the mechanism enabling a lot of this in my mind. Um, and until we've found a way to pivot to a healthier place in that, you know, that's, if we can't agree on anything as being true, how do we solve any global problem, right? So until you can create that center again of, hey, this might evolve, we might get new facts, but we mostly agree that this is a shared reality we all have. So from this shared reality, how can we solve these problems? But right now there is, there's, I mean, there's no shared reality, right? Like it's crazy. I, I would challenge anyone, you know, this is one of the things going around. If you do have a friend or someone that's in a different political place, like ask them to see the, if you can look at their social media feed to like get an embodied sense of like what their reality actually is and see that, of course they believe these things. That's what they're being fed. Wow. You know, to some yeah. extent. Um, and for me, that, you know, has brought more compassion of leaning into that. So I think there's just a tremendous opportunity for us to change this, do some systemic level change there in the, in the kind of lower right that I hope will um, ungrip some things and allow us to feel some togetherness again, to be like, okay, we have different perspectives on how to fix these things, but we can at least agree we want to fix them and we can agree what the problem is. I think right now we can't even agree what the problem is. Oh, yeah. Can I offer just one other thing? Um, I really enjoyed all that, Jason. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I just had one other thing as far as you asked Jeff, uh, what's the way forward? So I think, and you know, especially for you also, Jason, you do a lot of circling, for example. I think there's a lot of us who are in this sort of communication, people development arena. I think one of the things that we need to do is to really learn how to speak and be in the midst of that postmodern aggressive or the the difficult side of postmodernism that is causing a lot of concern for all of us, valid fear. So while Energolists complain so much about green, I would also say if we're actually compassionate and really practicing, I think we don't know really how to speak to that. Personally, I buckle down, I shut down because, you know, I've been around places like Naropa where when that mean green is activated, it is scary because it, it, that is the cancel culture, you know, and it's really scary. And I really just don't think anybody has really quite figured out to how to be friendly to that or effectively and strategically communicate with that fire so that there is something good that comes out of it for all involved. 
of even an integralist goes into fear, which I think is why some integralists are sick of it and they're just like, screw it. But I would rather, my challenge would be, we need to really learn how to communicate because I think we're much better at communicating with traditional, for example, you know, or modern. We're the universal donors. Yeah, except when it comes to postmodern, mean postmodern, pathological yeah. postmodern. I don't think we know. Even we get afraid and we shut down and we don't try to argue back because our own ego is goes into fear. I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to be kicked out of here. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you too. Continue to blow my mind which is, you know, I think developmentally potent. And I think the, 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 the one thing I've learned from you both is that my decision to stay as far away from social media as possible is the right one. <laughs> good, good, my good nervous mental system health. can't handle it, I don't think. You know, there is a sadness there because there was, there's some legitimate positive there you know, the Arab Spring and like when Obama, like there was a feeling of something different is happening. And I think we, you know, just wasn't aware of the shadow that was going to come with that. And now it's like, wow, it, should we just shut, unplug the whole thing? I think we'd be better off. Just, yeah. yeah. We'll keep figuring it out and we'll, we'll, we'll keep reporting back what we find. <laughs> yeah, please. Yes. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you, okay. Namali Pereira. And thank you, Jason Lang, for getting the old gang back together again, right? The old, yeah, old, old, old gang. With 17 yeah. years we've been doing it in one way or the other together. So God bless us all. Right. Yeah. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time in the Daily Evolver. Bye.